Hello and welcome. I'm Chelsea, certified mermaid, diver, and science communicator. And I'm Blake, scuba dive master, freediving instructor, and also a science communicator. We've created the Save the Mermaids podcast to connect ocean lovers from across the seven seas who have a desire to protect our waters and learn to live in sync with nature. Save the mermaids, save the seas. Let's dive in. And now for our happy environmental news of the week. Okay, so do you remember, oh my gosh, like in October, we had a good ocean news about the Genki balls being thrown into the Alawai Canal in Honolulu? Yeah, to help with the pollution in the canal. Yeah, yeah. So their their goal was to clean up the canal for it to be um, human-divable by 2024. Which is crazy in my brain because it is used to be so gross. It, it's gross, <laughs> right? I just picture it as brown. Yeah. Um, but this week as of March, like what's this week, 11th ish, mm-hmm. 2023, um, a Hawaiian monk seal was seen swimming in the canal. And I know a couple of weeks ago, even a manta ray was seen swimming in. I heard that. Yeah. So that means the bigger animals are more comfortable. Yep. It's getting better in it's there. It's getting better. It's, it's working. I love that. I do too. I just love how. I don't know, when humans care, we can make a difference. I was just talking with somebody who was like, oh, I really want to go to the Great Barrier Reef before it's like gone because of all the, you know, all the coral bleaching and stuff. And I was like, did you know it's actually better than it was in the 90s? Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. So this world of beautiful, sustainable, happy balance can happen if we just try. Yeah. And it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Speaking of, we are now doing, this is our first episode for the month of April, and April showers bring May flowers, so I thought it would be really fun if we do little weird animals that could be in April showers, like little tiny things that we probably can't even really see with without a microscope. Yep, and we found them. We did, and they're funky. We got some good ones coming this month. Yeah, I'm really excited about this month. Yeah. It's gonna be like pretty sciencey. I feel like because the smaller the thing, the more like scientific I feel like it is. Yeah, but uh, it's super interesting. I love it. So, what did you research? Um, so mine was the water flea. The water flea. And you know, I picked it because I swear. There are water fleas here. Like every time I go swim, well, not every time, but every once in a while when I go out diving, I'll swim into a patch of what feels like stinging. Yeah. I can feel something on my skin. And Mm -hmm. I thought for sure it was sea fleas or water fleas or whatever, but common misconception that is very possibly jellyfish larvae (gasps) that you're swimming. Jelly babies? Jelly babies. Oh, because I always assumed, you know, like on Hickam on that military base, Mm. they're like the dog beach. I don't know what they call it now, but to me, it's the dog beach. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But whenever I would like even just go ankle deep because it's really shallow, my feet would like get little red bumps on them. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably, well, it could be any number of things, right? Because we know there's so much stuff in the ocean. (laughs) True. (laughs) But I think from what I can tell, jellyfish larvae are what I swim through. Um, Probably what you step in over there, but not, but very different from a water flea. Yes. Yeah. Huh. I know. So what are water fleas? Water fleas. I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Let's talk about water fleas today. So they are also known as Diplostracea. And I'm sure I said that wrong. I like it. Yeah. Or Cladocera. 
Specifically today, we're going to be talking about the Daphnia, Daphnia, the Daphnia water flea. Okay. So I hope you remember that. I, I do. <laughs> uh, they're a part of, part of an super order of small crustaceans that feed on microscopic chunks of organic matter. Huh. I know. I didn't really realize they were going to be crustaceans, but once I knew, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I was thinking bug. Yeah. Which is kind of like a small crustacean. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So there are about a thousand species known so far with fossils found dating back to the Jurassic period. Oh. Um, Most are about uh, two tenths to six millimeters long. And they have downturned heads and only one compound eye. So a compound eye is one eye that is many eyes like flies. Oh, so are these weird looking? I've never. They're weird looking. One. They look like a shrimp kind of with head coming like out. Cyclops? Yeah. Like coming out of a transparent egg with one eye. That's, okay. that's many eyes. <laughs> so hopefully that's clear for you. Sure. <laughs> Um, they do have two sets of antennae, which is cool. One for swimming and one for having, um, one has little hairs for their olfactory sense or like their sense of smell. Oh. So one swims and the other one sniffs around. Huh. This is a weird thingy. Yeah. Like just, it doesn't (laughs) seem, you know, like a lot of us, like creation is symmetrical. Yeah. It doesn't feel very symmetrical. I feel like we find that a lot in the ocean. There's a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, but usually like there's two eyes and it's like split down the middle and it looks the same on both sides. Not like a weird one-eyed, one sniffer, one mover. (laughs) Clear shrimp looking thing. Clear shrimp guy. Um, So they're actually called fleas because of their swimming style. Looks like how a flea jumps. Oh, okay. So it's not actually like has anything to do with a flea. It's just called that. They're not related. No. But isn't that, it's kind of cute. It is cute. <laughs> In a weird bug <laughs> flea kind of way. <laughs> oh. um, so yeah, anyway, back to what they look like. Uh, they are translucent. And if you look at one under a microscope, this is cool. You can see its beating heart. Wow. You can see its blood moving. Um, you can see its feeding mechanism and the muscles moving its eye. Ooh. Like everything. Huh. Which... I can't tell if I really want to see or really don't. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Their heart rate is typically at or around 180 beats per minute and is a pro and is apparently prone to alcohol intoxication. And this is another episode where we hate scientists. I'm just going to warn you. The fleas drunk. Yep. Okay. (laughs) So um, that mixed with them being translucent has had a lot of scientists studying the effect of alcohol on the nervous system. So since you can see quite literally everything happening in these little things, yeah, they can study what alcohol does to a nervous system. But who's to say that a little sand flea's nervous system is going to react the same way as ours? I have no idea. Maybe because it's already so different, right? Test it on a person instead. Like they no. can at least get paid, right? Why don't we test more on people? We should. We should. These poor little fleas. Poor little fleas. Little fleas. <laughs> um so if you're upset by this as i was um take solace in knowing that they handle being observed extremely well and suffer no apparent um harm when they are returned back to open water and uh 
so they just like get drunk and go back to their lives like people do (laughs) they also use them to test nicotine and adrenaline really i guess so you it's shocking how clear you can see like you can see everything happen in these things interesting so it makes sense that we would use it for scientific purposes but yeah. it's still like why are we drugging up sea fleas and <laughs> back in the ocean it just feels a little weird it's weird like, yeah hey flea here's some jameson right you know? <laughs> what are you gonna do about it <laughs> okay bye <laughs> Yeah, so they live about five to six months in a typical environment. They are filter feeders, like I said, the just organic material, um, unicellular algae, algae. How do you say it? I say algae. Me too. But I'm okay. from Kansas, so I don't know. I know if that's right. I'm a Colorado girl. Same with fungi and or no wait, or fungi. fungi. I say fungi. I do too. Yeah. But when we watched Fantastic, they, fungi, said, fungi. they said fungi, yeah. and I was like, Am I wrong? <laughs> so I don't know. They eat that algae (laughs) and bacteria. Um, Females reproduce asexually at first. This is kind of interesting. I actually have to read to you what I found on the website because it's kind of complicated. Okay. So they have a life cycle based on alternating between asexual and sexual reproduction. So for most of the growth season, females reproduce asexually. So they produce a brood of eggs every time they molt. And these broods can contain as few as one or two eggs in smaller species, but can go over a hundred in larger species. Um, Under typical conditions, these eggs eggs hatch after one day and remain in the female's brood pouch for around three days. So she's got like babies in her pouch (laughs) just swimming around in there. Up to a hundred, apparently, if they're big. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, then they're released into the water and pass through a further four to six. Um... Oops, sorry, I lost it. So yeah, they they go five to six days before reaching an egg an age where they are able to reproduce already. Wow, so this is like a quick little it's thing. Six days old, they're like, "Hey, yo, girls." Yeah. Huh. Oh, hey, baby. <laughs> it's weird because they have such a short lifespan, but they must be resilient as fuck if they can handle being drunk. Yeah. You know what I mean? If they can handle <laughs> being drunk. Um, fun fact, the asexually produced offspring are typically female, which makes sense because yeah. they'd have more asexual babies. Um, toward the end of the growing season, however, the mode of reproduction changes and the females reproduce tough resting eggs or like, quote, winter eggs. So it's just like a typical egg. Um, and then when the conditions deteriorate with like crowding, overcrowding, um, some of the asexually reproduced offspring develop into males and the females start producing um, like fertile eggs the males or they produce the eggs the males fertilize them and then in the species without males resting eggs are also produced asexually and are diploid so they just like hermaphroditic yeah they just hang out and Got then they pieces. yep they just hatch so um it also says that they can withstand periods of extreme cold drought or poor food availability and hatch when conditions improve into females so they just hold on to themselves until they're ready Huh. I know. I really want um somebody to make a t-shirt. You know how you made the the the, <laughs> the manatee chubby manatee one? one? Yeah. I really want one of like a little sand fl- or a little a little water flea like holding a bottle of 
whiskey. <laughs> so at the time of this recording, it is two days to St. Patrick's Day. And yes. I feel like those need to be our shirts. It would be so great. Just have the background be lime green. I'm telling you, I would love it. I'll see what I can do. Only like five people would get it, but it would be great. It would just be you, me, our husbands, because we told them, and the guy at the bar that we talked to. <laughs> yeah, some random scientists out partying. Um, so several of these species are considered threatened and the IUCN lists them as vulnerable, which I think is weird. Yeah. I feel like if they can have reproduced in six days or doing something wrong, if they're vulnerable. Right. Yeah. yeah. Probably feeding them too much alcohol. Well, that could probably be a part <laughs> of it. Uh, they are popular as live food for tropical fish keepers as well. So they are actually oh. harvested. Um, they are used of course for science. And um, for certain environments and ex- that are experiencing toxins, they are, of course, like vulnerable to that. So right. I think all of those things kind of contribute to those population numbers. Yeah. Um, they are a bioindicator species, meaning that we can tell a lot about an environmental quality based on them. So you know how you go to like a marsh and if you see a turtle, it's like, oh, this is a healthy little ecosystem yeah it's the same with these guys if they're there it's probably pretty healthy good okay that's good to know yeah so that's all i have (laughs) i thoroughly enjoyed the drunk water fleet it's not at all what i thought this was gonna be no me neither (laughs) really interesting in a good way yeah Here at Save the Mermaids podcast, we are always looking for fun and sustainable businesses to support. And one that we absolutely love is Nudiewear. I met the owners, Christy and Ryan, at a scuba cleanup right here on Oahu. They're a local sustainable clothing brand that makes activewear, swimsuits, dry bags, purses, and headbands in gorgeous wildlife-inspired patterns such as the Mandarin fish, Nudibranchs, and whale sharks. They donate 10% of each purchase to conservation efforts across the globe. Their activewear is made from recycled water bottles, and they even make beautiful jewelry out of the discarded fishing nets. Go to our website, www.mermaidconservation.com, and use the code SAVETHEMERMAIDS to receive 10% off of your purchase. And if you're on the island of Oahu, join Nudiewear for their monthly underwater cleanups. See you there! Thanks so much for diving in with us today. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram at Save the Mermaids Podcast. Visit our website at www.mermaidconservation.com for all the podcast merch and our eco-friendly favorites. And don't forget to join our Facebook community, Save the Mermaids Podcast Community. This is where we will post our monthly meetups, share our favorite underwater adventures, and connect with like-minded ocean lovers all over the world. Until next time, mermaids! Thank you.